I'm glad that we're recording another 10 plus minutes of content for Jeremy to sift through. <laughs> he will it's look, just full of good comedy, too. Well, look yeah. back on us discussing TV shows. <laughs> Man. I'm telling you, we keep getting closer to starting our like TV and movie podcast. We're inching Probably our way there. Yeah, cobble it together out of these <laughs> from From the cold of Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, lead guitarist of Venture Into Me, America's hottest surf rock Dave Matthews band cover band. <laughs> That's wrong. You're welcome. Heresy. I'm out here doing Sacrilege. the Lord's work. <laughs> Oh my. Well, I'm co-host Jeremy. I need to start another support group after that, Sean, but <laughs> let me tell you about my latest support group. It is a support group for drummers who quit shortly before the band they were in got famous. Oh. Ooh, there's some notable members of that group. Yeah. Just uh off the dome here. Not really off the dome. I'm reading notes. <laughs> but Pete Best, is he on there? Pete Best of the Beatles. Tony Chapman of the Rolling Stones. Doug Sandum from The Who. And Skip Moore from The Ventures. Chad Channing from Nirvana. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, there's plenty of them. That's good that you're, start, you're starting a support group. Yeah. Admirable cause, Jeremy. Thank you. Let me just say that. And I am co-host Peter Cook. And at my workplace, when groups of children come through, the first rule that I tell them is walk, don't run. Ooh. <laughs> relevant. Relevant. Why is that relevant, Jeremy? Tell our, our listeners why that's relevant. Well, because that was the first hit song by The Ventures, who we are talking about today. Ooh, I'm guessing that we're going to be talking about a Ventures album from, I don't know, the mid-1960s, because that's like their heyday. Well, we are not. What? Yeah, Walk, Don't Run came out in 1960. They killed it through the 60s, but we're talking about 1972. Oh, right, because that's our theme for this month of October. True. 2022. Yeah. And me being me, I decided to pick an artist that not only doesn't represent 1972, but is kind of an <laughs> antithesis to it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, the... the I had no idea there was even a, even a Ventures album from 1972, and, and there's it looks like there's multiple. <laughs> there were three. <laughs> That's and nuts. And an even more contrarian step, uh, I picked this one of the three that they are hearkening back to an even earlier time. <laughs> yeah. Why? It, and what is this album called? 
This is called Rock and Roll Forever. Yeah, so they're like, screw all this 1970s stuff, rock and roll forever. I have different thoughts on what may have provoked a record like this. but Ooh. Well, it's good. You've thought about this. Yeah. yeah I've thought about this a little. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Now, do you, do you think that rock and roll will last forever, or is it, in fact, dead already? Well, I think that depends on the, per, the each person and their own belief system, Sean. Yeah, it's very subjective, I, Sean. Listen, I came to this podcast for absolute truth, so I need an answer <laughs> from you guys. Right. I think for you, Sean Hartman, it's always been dead. There's oh, there's got to be at least two or three rock bands that I like. I'm on Duel had some good records. <laughs> wow, that's your example of a rock and roll band <laughs> that did it right. Yeah, that's the only one I can think of. Abendul, <laughs> not Abendul Two, the original. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I can never remember the difference between them and which one is better. I know one of them's better, right? Maybe I don't know. Still the only good rock band. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this is going. Oh, let's listen to some rock and roll. <laughs> let's listen to some rock and roll, eh? Where are you starting us? Let's start with. You can't sit down. We're talking side A, track five. of our patreon might recognize that song we actually did a patreon exclusive episode about the original version of you can't sit down written and performed by legendary guitarist phil upchurch that was written by phil upchurch uh now you're gonna make me double check it but i think so 
No, it was written by Clark Muldrow. I think it's... Uh, I don't know who either of those people it's are. It's Clark and Muldrow. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing, well, according to Discogs, Upchurch has a writing credit as well. We'll go with that. All right. Upchurch. Co-written. <laughs> well, anyway, we did a Patreon episode about Phil Upchurch performing that song. If you're interested in hearing that, subscribe to the $5 tier over at patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast. Five or more. Five or more, yes. You can... I think there's some, some opening slots at the $20 tier right now, but I digress. <laughs> hey, we didn't plug our Patreon until we're the second episode in. Give us a break. <laughs> we showed some restraint. Exactly. Back to the lecture at hand. Yeah, the ventures. I did that. Uh, what'd that do for you, Sean? It's fine. You know, it's pleasant. It's inoffensive. It's not as good as the original, but it's like, this is a nice background rock record, you know? That's what that's how I think of it. I kind of agree with you, honestly. It's, to me, it's a good record to just kind of have, yeah, background. It's not something you're going to, like, sit and really, like, focus in on, and it's more like a dance party record. Yeah, I feel like that track would even be a good, like, brawl at the pool hall like <laughs> track <laughs> that's i feel like in a lot of movies that kind of track is playing while there's a good old fight good old-fashioned scrap yeah but in all seriousness though i've always kind of liked the ventures i've had some of their records here and there it's just a fun like good instrumental rock band you know and they're they're always tight I think their guitar solos are usually pretty interesting. They're not too flashy. They don't seem like they're all full of themselves. It doesn't have the excess that is often associated with rock and roll. In a weird way, it's almost like they're an old school kind of lounge act that is embracing the tradition of rock and roll. That kind of makes sense. Let me start in the bio because that'll sort of tie in and make sense. So the Ventures were formed in 1958 when Bob Bogle and Don Wilson met and they were working construction projects and decided to go to the pawn shop and both get some guitars and they formed a band called the Versatones, which they later found out there was already a band called the Versatones. Oh, it's a hot name. (laughs) Hot name. They're too slow on it. So they they settled on the Ventures. But when they first started out, they were playing parties at their friends' houses and were playing like big band music arranged for two guitars. They would one would play rhythm, typically Don, and then Bob would do lead, which would just kind of be like simple melodies over the the rhythm guitar. So that's where that's probably where you're hearing that kind of lounge influence to some degree cuz it's not there's not the sound of lounge jazz in it I wouldn't say. No. I I think part of it too is the aesthetic that you see on their album covers. 
and also the fact that they made so many freaking albums and they're just everywhere it has the same availability that you would associate with earlier lounge music and some of the same visual style yeah and they recorded a ton of material through well through most of their career through the 60s they were putting out three to five albums a year and 34 albums in the 60s charted on the billboard top 100 which is bonkers that's like three albums a year are charting that's so like most of their albums are charting and they're cranking out tons of them and at one point in 1963, there were, in fact, five Ventures albums all in the Billboard 100 at the same time. Wow. Ruling those charts. Yeah. In my mind, the Ventures kind of had a universal and intergenerational appeal. You know, they still rocked hard enough for anybody that's into the edgier rock and roll that's coming out, but they're professional enough and tight enough to be able to appeal to older generations that maybe only want to kind of dip their toe into this rock music coming out. That and a fundamental part of the ventures is that they're covering music primarily. Mm -hmm. They didn't write a ton of their own music and like their first hit walk don't run, which came out in 1960 was already a hit song for Chet Atkins from his album Hi-Fi in Focus in 1956. So some of the the songs they're referencing go back to the previous generation as well. Yeah, so even here in 1972, with them doing these songs that are almost 15 years old, it's really just following what they've been doing the entire time. To some extent, here's my theory on on what this album is in my mind. This is Jeremy's cerebral take on it, and part of why I picked it for 1972 is that 1972, in my mind, is kind of the, the like, an inflection point has happened already, and music has shifted. Like, the late 60s it started, and into the early 70s, and it's like a different generation by 1972. And the old generation is kind of washed out by and large. Very, few, It's like from the 70s to the 80s when the disco era ended, when grunge came in and washed out hair metal. In the 90s. <laughs> in the 90s. And it feels like one of those shifts where, you know, out with the old, in with the new. And the Ventures were kind of part of that shift when they came in. They were kind of out with the old rock and roll and they were the new with this proto surf sound they were bringing and fuzz guitar sounds they introduced the world to flangers all kinds of interesting new sounds and takes and i feel like they're in that getting washed out phase and they're looking back to you know whom they washed out and kind of like paying respect or sort of like sympathizing with oh, them. We know what this feels like. So yeah. now we now know the, what this feels like. I see. That's my heady take on what's going on, but they might not even know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Interesting. The other lounge music comparison that I just remembered too is they were 
also a band that did some kind of novelty exploitation of the invention of stereo. Because when that happened, there's this whole movement of lounge records that are like the sounds in stereo and they would have the different new stereo effects where they had hard pan instruments or phase them back and forth. And the Ventures did that too. And they did some like early stereo sound trickery, like with uh, Ventures in Space and some other other records from that time. Yeah, I really like that Ventures in Space album. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, and they were very early in the concept album thing as well. They were putting out concept albums in like 1963. And yeah, just throughout their catalog, there's these uh, concept albums that I feel like that didn't really become a thing until like late 60s. Yeah, yeah. They, most of the, the earliest examples of that are the mid 60s and those are usually very loose (laughs) yeah yeah so let's uh let's play another song shall we yeah yeah i'm ready to party this one's gonna harken back to link ray incredible guitarist and this is his song rumble oh yeah classic side a track four That's a very faithful cover of the Link Ray classic, but I found that one, it's just a little cleaner than the Link Ray version. Did either of you get that from it? That's kind of this whole album. The covers <laughs> are like 
The Ventures are known for really putting their spin on covers typically. Yeah. And most of this album, they aren't like heavy interpretations or anything. They're like pretty straight ahead, but like clean 1970s recording. But like in very much in the style and yeah, in the sound of that time. I get the impression that they're just doing songs that they love and just playing them straight because they really love these songs and they're important to them. I mean, maybe someone else picked the whole track list, but I got to think that at this point in their career, they could kind of call the shots on what they're doing. But I, I love the selections on this. There's a handful of songs on here that I regularly play the original versions of when I'm out DJing, um, you know, soul twist, sleepwalk, 2075 by willie mitchell and rumble by link ray i love that track nice well now you have uh some alternate versions you can whip out every now and then if you want yeah <laughs> just to confuse people just to confuse people <laughs> is this link ray nah it's the ventures <laughs> from 72 this will be my go-to the next time i get booked for a rock and roll lounge dj set <laughs> let's i feel like we just discombobulated right out of the timeline i'm gonna pull us right back back to the beginning really because i wanted to cover that they started out as a duo but they were clearly not a duo there or through any of their career yeah they've always been a full band when i've thought of them yeah so prior to the release of walk don't run their first hit and really their first song they even recorded uh they added noki edwards on bass Mm -hmm. and skip moore on drums who i mentioned in the intro (laughs) he recorded this 45 with them and then decided he was gonna go work at his parents gas station and just took 25 dollars for the session and didn't want in on the contract or anything so he recorded, he drummed on Walk, Don't Run. Yeah. And then ski-daddled. And ski-daddled <laughs> and didn't even have like a percentage on the sales or any of that. He just wanted his lump sum for the session and walked away from it. He, uh, he, <laughs> someone sort of said, don't walk, stay. <laughs> yeah. And he even, he tried to sue later and they're just like, dude, we have a contract that. Yeah. That says you don't have any rights to this. Oh, Skip Moore. So, didn't pan out for old Skip, with the exception that, now jumping way ahead in the timeline again, all the original members of the Ventures have passed away at this point. But Skip Moore lives on. Oh, wow. Is he still working at the gas station? <laughs> I'd like to think he is. Yeah. <laughs> Telling the story to everyone who will give him an ear. So, yeah, they recorded 45 of Walk, Don't Run. It was turned down by Dalton Records, and they decided to create their own label, Blue Horizon, to release it. And they had a friend who was connected to a Seattle radio station, because this is all taking place in Tacoma, Washington, I should mention. Okay. And their buddy gets a song played just in like one of those kind of interludes before a newscast starts. 
And it resulted in a bunch of people calling the station like, hey, what was that song? Hey, can you play that song? Like, like what would happen in a movie? Like, yeah. Yeah, the phone's ringing off the hook. Yeah. And that apparently happened. And then Dalton Records called them back up and was like, hey, actually, you want to release that with us? Yeah. We were wrong. Yeah, they were wrong. And that song hit number two in the top 40. They went on to be a crazy success all through the 60s, as was mentioned. And by the end of the 60s, they had one last big hit of a cover of the Hawaii Five-O theme. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, felt like character at that point. Yeah. But that was kind of the last hurrah in America for them. And they their sales fell off big time with the kind of the turnover in culture where they were washed out with the tide. Mm-hmm. And that's where this album was. <laughs> that's when this album takes place. And they're trying all kinds of different ideas and arrangements. They're adding like synths and just trying a lot of different things to no avail. And then they make this like hearkening back to an older time album, obviously also doesn't land. Yeah, didn't wasn't one of the albums they had released earlier this same year, nineteen seventy two, them doing the theme from Shaft. Yeah, the year previous, yeah. Okay, yeah. it was the the year before, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after they had the hit with Hawaii Five O through I think in the seventies and eighties, they did a lot of like movie soundtrack kind of cover stuff Mm -hmm. tv themes and whatnot trying to strike that gold again but it's not all bad news for the ventures here whilst they were a mega hit in america they were also planting the seeds in japan where they sold nearly as many records as they did in america There's a famous quote of someone saying that they outsold the Beatles in Japan two to one, which is true. They sold, they had like 34 charting albums in Japan. And not only that, they kicked off an entire musical movement in Japan called Aleki Boom. And Aleki is the word for like electric. Mm -hmm. And. The Ventures, because it's instrumental music, there's no language barrier. People just, like, got it right away. Mm -hmm. And the electric guitar was not a part of Japanese music at that time, by and large, not in popular music. I wonder if this coincided with the group sounds movement in Japan that was a lot of, like, American rock and roll repurposed for Japanese audiences as well. I feel like that was probably early 70s. I don't know if you came across group sounds at all well this would have been in the 60s that okay the alecky boom thing is uh getting traction and okay there's you know tons of bands forming instrumental rock bands forming in japan they're selling guitars like crazy it said some year in the 60s they produce like seven hundred and fifty thousand guitars wow. in japan so Their music is just taking off in Japan, but they're, like, foundational there. I feel like, you know, they got washed out as an old trend in America, but they remain popular in Japan 
through the rest of their lives. And in 2010, they actually received the second highest honor awarded by the Japanese government and awarded the band the Order of the Rising Sun, which is like a deep honor. (laughs) And that's like 50 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, pretty recently. Yeah. You know, in the last dozen years that the ventures are still <laughs> I didn't know anyone was still repping them <laughs> at that point in time, but Yeah, no, they yeah. They remain popular in Japan because they were like foundational to the elect I mean, they are the electric guitar arriving in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's thinking of you know where obviously by the 70s there's some really wild japanese psychedelic bands utilizing the electric guitar (laughs) in ways that yeah that's that's if the ventures probably paved the way for that yeah so yeah most definitely they were also really popular in the northern soul movement in the uk they got kind of lumped in with with that Mm-hmm. So they had some popularity there as well, though obviously the Northern Soul movement didn't, you know, that was also kind of a cultural trend. Mm-hmm. And that was for specifically their theme to Hawaii Five-0, right? Oh, I'm not sure. I think I had read that. It was like one specific single of theirs that was got popular in the Northern Soul scene. I could not tell you that. I can tell you they did have a small resurgence in the 80s new wave punk movement, like right at the beginning of the early 80s. And you kind of hear some of that surf sound creep into some of that music, which led to some attention coming back to the ventures. And then again in the 90s with the release of Pulp Fiction, which seemed to kick off a brief but real uh, re-interest in surf music. Yeah. And the Ventures caught that wave. Yeah, heavy use of surf music on the soundtrack for that film. Yeah, and it like it kind of spread into American culture again for a little bit. But the Ventures continued making music through the 70s, the 80s. They're putting out multiple albums a year through the 90s. And that's when they start passing away because they're getting older and they're replacing members and there's still currently a ventures band out there none of them are original members the original members have all passed at this point most recently don wilson passed away just this year but skip Moore lives on skip Moore lives on in a gas station in washington somewhere so did you like go real hard on the research? Can you tell me what are the best 80s and 90s Ventures albums? No. I know in the 80s they did like a Latin American music. They did, you know, the Ventures take on that. <laughs> they did some interesting, strange, just grasping at straws, it felt like. They were also making music. <laughs> Their popularity in Japan was so much that they were putting out albums just for Japan. They put out a bunch of albums that weren't even released in America, and they were like ventures interpretations of popular Japanese songs and melodies. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, you you see a market that's ready for you. Feed that market. <laughs> yeah. Got to give the people what they want. Yeah. 
wherever those people may be. Well, let's cut to another track, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm feeling a little raunchy. Well, I've got just the track for you, Peter. <laughs> All right. So we're going to listen to their take on the Bill Justice classic, Raunchy. More talk inside B track four. Interesting factoid, this was the song that George Harrison played on his guitar that convinced John Lennon that he should be in the Beatles, that when Whoa. George Harrison could perform this song, note perfect. Now, Sean. Now, Jeremy. As our resident sax man, how do you feel about the the 50 sax? <laughs> Wait, I... The fact that Sean is a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, I'm sorry to jump in and answer for you, Sean. Sean is a massive fan of the boss, but cannot stand Clarence Clemens' sax solos. <laughs> I, I love the boss in spite of Clarence Clemens. <laughs> That's kind of where I stand. Uh, the 50s sax sound had its place, and I don't hate it. I know some people just like really hate this saxophone sound. Also, I'm barely a saxophone player, but <laughs> you have picked one up. <laughs> I have picked one up. <laughs> There's some recorded evidence of me playing one. Yeah, it's all right. I, I've never heard this kind of sax being like, "Ooh, that's so good. I love that." But I don't know. I don't hate it as much as some. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I I feel like there's a number of those those songs in Pulp Fiction that we were just talking about where that that saxophone comes in <laughs> like, mm -hmm. even on some of the, the songs used in that movie where it's just that classic tone i like it when it gets a little more scronky in the it, some some tracks allow the the saxophone to get a little more a little raunchy maybe yeah maybe a little raunchy even i wouldn't say that they do that on this version here though it's pretty clean yeah it's not too raunchy but it has that almost absurd feel to it that I 
Like when I hear that 50 sax sound, it feels like slapstick, absurd, sort of inhumane in a way. Inhumane? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is the word I wanted. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you about the sax player and the other players on this thing. Sax player was Jackie Kelso, who he played with a ton of huge names. Jackie Kelso? Yeah, as in... <laughs> like that 70s, that 70s show, show. Yes. like Jackie and Kelso. I, wait, I, I've never seen that show. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> he played with Count Basie, the Blackbirds, David Byrne, and like 50 other big names. For some reason, those are the three I chose to write down. <laughs> uh, like it's actually the Black Byards. <laughs> <laughs> Are you it's messing not. with me? I'm okay. messing with you on that one. <laughs> it is it's basic, not, though. <laughs> and it's, not, it's probably not going to make sense since I'm guessing Jeremy would have cut his mispronunciation out. <laughs> okay. For our Leave it all in. <laughs> for our listeners, I will explain that you don't hear that I constantly mispronounce names. And they constantly correct me, thankfully, so I don't look like an idiot to all of you, but... Yeah, just so you know, I'm back here mispronouncing any name that isn't obvious. <laughs> wow, peek behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. You know, for a long time in this podcast, I thought you were intentionally mispronouncing names just to be that guy. I mean, Tom Sharpling does that on the best show frequently, gets things wrong. Uh, yeah. Jeremy also did it frequently in person when I took him to the Philadelphia Art Museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My brain is not good at that. That's fine. We still love you. Oh. Well, let me talk about the other players going on here. Got Don Wilson and Bob Bogle, the aforementioned founders of the band on the guitars, maybe on the bass. Bob Bogle at some point. Uh, Noki Edwards and Bob Bogle switched. Because Noki was like, I'm better at guitar than you. Yeah, it's funny because I thought that Noki was the guitarist when you mentioned that. So that explains things. <laughs> yeah, but Noki's not here on this record. At he, all. At all, yeah. because he left a few years prior to race horses. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Gas stations, horse racing, the yeah. other ventures. Yeah, he came back, though. Uh, 1973, I believe. So shortly after this record, he came back to the group. So Bob might be playing bass or he might be playing guitar because there is another guitar player, Harvey Mandel. Howie Mandel? The hilarious comedian, <laughs> yeah. Howie Mandel. No, Harvey Mandel <laughs> from Detroit mm. who played in Canned Heat and oh, yeah. with the Stones. Yeah, I there's isn't there another canned heat connection to this? One of the I think there's one of the brothers of one of the guys played in canned heat. Yes, Larry Taylor on the bass, who is the brother of Mel Taylor, who is the longtime drummer in this band after Skip skipped out on him. Okay, so yeah, Larry Taylor from Canned Heat is the the brother of Mel Taylor from this band. Yeah, and he played with a bunch of famous artists as well. The Monkees, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Mel Taylor 
pretty much just played with the Ventures. He was like their drummer though for a big chunk of the Ventures. Uh-huh. Uh David Carr is the one playing keys on this record. And the insane cover art is John Van Hammersveld. Yeah, can we talk about the cover art for just a second here? Yeah, we we should try yeah. to remember to do that more often on these episodes. And this is one that deserves a yeah, little... Yeah, this one begs uh, it to be noted. It's a very strange, comic-y picture of a woman who maybe looks crazy or maybe is just winking. And she's saying, oofa-pa-do. No, so here's here's the thing. This is the other thing that bothers me about it. And to me, this looks like some kind of like creepy doll that's missing an eye that was my interpretation but the the words like partially obscured by her hair and coming around is ooh poopa do which was a big r&b hit in new orleans in 1960 and is another like favorite single of mine and would fit on this album but they don't cover that song but the letters are prominently featured on the cover yeah I wonder if at one point they intended to do a cover of that and it didn't happen, but it was too late to do anything about the artwork. Who knows? And so many questions. It's a very odd choice on listeners, multiple if levels. You, <laughs> listeners, if you have any insight, email us at idbythatpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Uh, those words above her head being a song name. <laughs> I will say, though, they're looking tough as hell on the back cover. Yeah, they are mean mugging. Two of the three of them are in shades. Oh, yeah. yeah. They almost look like Spacemen 3. <laughs> the 80s psychedelic rock band. I'm kind of thinking that, like, the Ventures might have fucked you up in 72 if you looked at them wrong. Yeah. They're not here to take shit from anybody if anything can be learned from this back cover. Interesting. Yeah, so... But the cover art, I looked up the artist, John Van Hammersveld, and he's done a ton of well-known record covers. He has a few that are in this style, but he also did a bunch of Jefferson Airplane albums. He did Rolling Stone's Exile on Main Street, also from 72. Kind of a disturbing album cover, too, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did Leo Kotke, whom I only brought up so that I could pronounce it correctly in front Great of job. Sean and Peter. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, all them. Also to our listeners, I mispronounce that pretty much every other time he's ever been mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> I come up with new mispronunciations each time, and I really wanted to let them know I could do it all by myself like a big boy. <laughs> very proud of you thank you and that's that's about all i gotta say about the ventures yeah well, i i got one thing i could say about the ventures if y'all don't mind what could you say about the ventures so one aspect of the ventures legacy that i think is worth mentioning is how important they were to young guitarists especially you know during their heyday there are many now legendary guitarists who have stated that they that the ventures were either pivotal in their early guitar playing or 
that they in fact learn how to play guitar by playing along to ventures records mm-hmm. in so much so that the ventures actually put out like an instructional guitar record at one point called play guitar with the ventures and it was the first kind of instructional record to chart on the billboard top lps and only made up to 96 but still massive feat for an instructional record um yeah. and there are countless guitarists who that was probably their their introduction to learning how to play guitar john fogarty is a huge ventures fan and said that they kicked open a whole movement in rock and roll with their surf music style and the audacity of it empowered guitarists everywhere he said stephen stills has said that he learned how to play guitar by playing along to ventures records jeff skunk baxter from the dewey brothers and uh one of the assholes from kiss were both early members of the ventures fan club (laughs) won't even say his name love it yeah you can do your own research on that one uh carl wilson said that the ventures were a major influence on his early guitar playing and stated that the beach boys had learned to play all of the venture songs by ear Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah the entirety of surf rock might not might not exist or it might not sound how it did without the ventures. Yeah. Might not exist. <laughs> I'm saying it. Bold claim, but probably true. Well, Sean. Well, Jeremy. I left you with the fun task of picking out some other rock and roll records. I did it. <laughs> I was up to the challenge. You guys know how hard this is for me, and I'm not even going to recommend an Amon Duel record. <laughs> so I was thinking about how this album is definitely a callback to an earlier era of rock and roll. I was trying to think maybe there's another rock band that had a similar trajectory where they were around for the earliest sounds in rock and roll and then we're still looking back on it later on. And I found a record by Bill Black's Combo. They put out an album. Isn't that Elvis's bassist? Yes. Bill Black was Elvis's bassist and then went on to do uh, a pretty successful, mostly instrumental career. Uh, So there's a lot of parallels and similarities to the ventures, but they put out a record in 1973 called Rock and Roll Forever. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was was pretty amazed. Um, Definitely some similarities and bill black much like the ventures if you're into that you can pretty much just pick up any of their records and they're all fairly good quality pretty consistent yeah i remember enjoying one of their records back yeah. in the day they got some good stuff glowing endorsement from co-host peter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't remember which one it was so <laughs> I also wanted to put a record on the list that was maybe a newer band that was wearing an early rock and roll influence on their sleeves. And I came up with NRBQ's early record Scraps from 1972, which features one of my favorite NRBQ songs, Magnet. Oddly enough, that's an album of theirs I am not familiar with. It's worth checking out. Great band. They're really good at that rhythm and blues rock and roll sound Mm -hmm. and last for my recommendation is a guy that was huge for the formation of rock and roll and also was a guy that was really 
big on just perfectly nailing the guitar sound, which I think was something that was very important to Ventures and kind of just important for early rock and roll as well. There was a lot of focus on the tone, especially the electric guitar tone that you were getting. And that guy is the great Dwayne Eddy. His 1958 Mm. album, Have Twangy Guitar Will Travel, which features his massive hit, Rebel Rouser. Another selection we did a Patreon exclusive episode on. There you go. And a guy that has just always got records in the dollar bin. And if you're into that rock and roll sound, it's well worth picking up. Well worth checking out. Put out tons of material. So much. Cool. Cool. Well, I want to leave us on Sleepwalk because it's an extremely good song. Santo and Johnny, those are the original artists behind this. That's true. And this version is mostly the same. It's got a little more, it's got a little bite to it, a little, little flair. That, that first Santo and Johnny record is one of my favorite things to like pretty frequently find in dollar bins because no one knows about it, but it's definitely worth more than a dollar. I've cleaned up oh, on that title a handful it, of times. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it should be a pretty expensive record, but you, you can get lucky. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, well, I think that about does it for this episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. We will be back next week with another installment. But until then, my name is Peter Cook. My name is Jeremy Ruggles. And I'm my name? 1972. Oh, my God. You keep doing these long outros. It's ruining my rhythm. I don't know when to come in anymore. I'm Sean Hartman. <laughs>